Ready to throw down? Yeah. Sure. Hey man, what's going on? You've been moping around the lab lately. It's nothing, let's just do the episode. Oh come on, I know something's wrong. You haven't gotten listy all week. Yeah, after like three items in a list, I just lose interest. What, you got character creation block or something? Nah, man, that's not it. I've just been thinking about demons. Okay, you've opened the door. Now just let me in, bro. I've, I've been wondering about who's piercing them. And I'm lost. All right, check this out. Whoa, these are good. What'd you draw these with? Gravy. But, but that's not the point. Listen, these big scary demons that could decimate a party have these elegant little piercings. Take this Nalfin She. Huge ape body, creepy little wings, six tusks coming out of its pig face, and BAM! Couple gold rings in each ear. I see. The Garisto. It's this nasty brute that can chew through a castle wall with its siege monster trait, and right above its rock-biting teeth? A nose ring. Suspicious placement for sure. Shut up, there's more. The Bargura, red gorilla from hell that can cast phantasmal force, has this big, dangly lip piercing. Super gross. But I don't get why this got you up all night. Because, Garen, these demons have resistance to piercing damage, don't you see? So either this takes a really long time to punch through their hide, or there's some magical piercing gun in hell that these demons use on one another. Whew. Talk about saved against a frightened condition. Yeah. I mean, should we still do the episode? I mean, sure, but I'm gonna be so distracted. Uh, me too. You wanna just phone it in? Yeah, that's fine. Great. I'll wind up the gramophone we got from the Izzet Guild. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it! Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah. That was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How deranged? That's not a category. Just... Keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kinda drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content and scoring against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey everybody, it's Dan. And Garen, and this week we head into the world of Farland by S. Baker, Jen DeLuca, and their talented team. Now what makes Farland unique is that the world has been conquered by evil. Seven dark lords representing the seven deadly sins reign supreme, and as a player, you can fight that evil or join them to blot out the light. That's a great point, Garen. The lore alone in this supplement is so rich. As we mentioned last week, you can see more at farlandworld.com, but we are fortunate enough to have access to the World of Farland Player's Guide, which is available on DriveThruRPG. It's a 120-page book that not only opens the door with sections of history, but offers like 30 different races, which is just unheard of. They get very granular, which I like. Many of which may seem familiar, but with their own specific twists on sub-races and new subclasses for seven of the main 5e classes. Dan, you fool, you forgot to mention feat spells and equipment. Ah, uh, I've shamed my clan. 
As I can only go up from here, why don't I start by introducing my character this week? Vab was one of 16 children, deplorable creatures in the world of Farland and just about everywhere else. Vab was a kobold. You see, kobolds usually stayed in darkness and lurked around in dungeons, commonly minions of some of the less than desirable people and professions. This never appealed to Vab. His family ran a claw cuttery in one of the caves near the nameless city near Winter Vale which he despised working at, but did not have it in his heart to tell his family who grew this business from the ground up that he found this work beneath him. Beneath all of them, in fact. Shrouded in dense clouds most days, Vab needn't worry about being exposed to too much sun in the winter veil. You see, kobolds cannot stay out in direct sunlight for too long. They get weak. They don't thrive in these conditions. They can die. So where they lived was very important to Vab because he was not confined to being underground all day long. In fact, when the workdays at the cuttery were slow, Vab would commonly just sit and visit the nearby military compound where creatures of all sorts trained for various types of combat. He just sat there and watched people engage in something they were passionate about. He longed for that too, but he's not sure what his calling was. And then one day a tragic accident happened at that military training facility, and Vab witnessed it all unfold. An archer accidentally shot a man square between the eyes with an adamantine bolt. Judging by the archer's horrified reaction, Vab knew that he had just witnessed a terrible mistake. Vab instinctively bolted into the compound, frantically rushing around, looking for anything that could possibly revive the man. The archer was also in a great panic. Though both of their intentions were to bring this man back, he had succumbed to his injuries and he was not able to be revived. The archer stood trial for murder and Vab was a key witness to the man's defense. In fact, Vab's testimony was so convincing and intriguing, especially for a kobold, that he single-handedly was responsible for the archer's acquittal. The archer caught Vab just as he was walking out of the courthouse and gave him a rather heavy bag. The archer informed him not to open it until he got back home. Vab hushly agreed and rushed to the claw cuttery to discover that within the bag was 2,000 platinum pieces, along with a note that said, You have a pure heart. I saw it that fateful day, and I want others to see that. I want them to see you as more than just a kobold. Use this to help others. Thank you, friend. Flabbergasted, Vab quickly tucked away the note and stashed his earnings in a secret compartment within the room that he shared with nine of his siblings. The next morning, Vab set out to the Dragonspur Medical Academy in Dragonspur City, one of the most renowned and prestigious medical schools in Farland. Vab expressed his interest to the dean to enroll. The dean scoffed, You're a kobold. We have an opening for a janitor, and that's about it. Without skipping a beat, Vab laid out a hundred platinum pieces on the table and asked when he could start. Funny enough, the dean quickly changed his tune. Uh, how does tomorrow work for you? Now a graduate of the med school, Val returned back to the Winter Vale where he is most comfortable to practice medicine and help those in need, just as he attempted to do on that fateful day. Vab is a level 7 Wormblood Cobalt College of Medicine bard of the folk healer background. Now the race, subrace, archetype, and background are all from this supplement. So if that gives you an idea of how rich this thing is, that's just a piece of the pie. Nice. Very fun backstory. I was shocked to learn that the man who was shot in the forehead succumbed to his injuries. Yes, right between the eyes. Unfortunately, Farlandian medicine just is not there yet. No, no. I mean, so many people survive arrows to the brain nowadays. It's just a shame when someone doesn't. <laughs> well, Dan, it was nice to meet Vab. And now I would like to introduce you to Oronic. Upon the Farland Reckoning, when the continent was divided and Sathith, the vampire lord of gluttony, lost his hold on Davin, Oronic Breadbox wandered out of the castle in which he had spent his entire life, 
blinking in the daylight and searching for a meaning. Raised to serve Sethith in his grand kitchens, Aronic, a Kazakh dwarf, had known only servitude to this master and the desire to the feast. The feats of Sethith stretched for days, and while the servants were there to bring more food, they were often able to eat the scraps that poured in landslides from the table. Little did they know that once the food was touched by Sethith, it retained a small drop of his power, and any who ate it would be cursed with the hunger. Oronic and the other servants did not realize that their cravings were the result of the Dark Lord's might and were always satisfied as they continued to feast from his leavings. But when Sathith fell, Oronic found himself a craving that could never be satiated. Without Sathith, he would forever hunger and this drove him mad. He banded together with other cooks, dishwashers, and one really talented barbecue pitmaster to seek revenge on those who shook their lord from his throne and forced this pain upon them. So I'm bringing a Kazakh Dwarf Aronic Bread Box, a level 7 Warlock Pact of Gluttony. And he is the Friend of Evil background, which is also, of course, out of this Farland book. Well, Garen, to say that I'm hungry to learn more about your character is an understatement. But before we get into that, even the richest text block is not going to properly capture the olfactory immersion that comes with cantrip candles. The purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world. Hordes of treasure, libraries of arcane texts, or this week's spotlight, Stone Moss Chapel. With its notes of moss, of course, stone, and soil, it speaks the great history that fits perfectly with a millennia spent in Farland. But to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventures in their sampler pack, which offers nine of their scents for a great low price. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of those scents in that sampler pack, we're happy to announce that you now can, and Garen and I will help pick up some of the cost. At checkout, enter the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, all one word, and you'll receive 10% off your total purchase. So go hog wild. That's Cantrip Candles, and if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for that message. Now it's time to begin the scoring of these far-out babies with a very technical system we have created. Now, if you're new to the show, let me quickly explain. We have nine categories we prepared arguments for, and in each, we will state why our character deserves a score between minus two and positive two. We found this range of scores gives the appropriate depth to character quality. Finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other to roll for the score in which we are arguing as a charisma save using the charisma score for our character. Then at the end, whoever has the most points wins. That's it. And if that was confusing at all, just sit back and picture a nice bloody sword fight as this goes to the melee category. Take it away, Dan. Now, Garen, you know, as part of the improvements that we've made on the show, I've decided to immerse myself a little bit more in my character creation so that I can truly act as their advocate in these arguments. Now, that said... Uh, can you please take a seat over here? Is this a waiting room? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so it's no mystery to you that besides a brilliant scientist, I'm also a registered nurse in those bleak hours and days between D&D. Oh, well, yeah. I decided to enroll in a course at Forgotten Realms University over the past week and do exactly what everyone suggests what I should do for a living. Why don't you become a doctor? Well, folks, after an intense seven-hour course, I'm happy to announce that I am now able to practice as a doctor. Welcome to my practice, Garen. Hey, hey, Dan, 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 before we go any further, are you sure this is cool? I mean, like, legal cool? Because you're getting into the show, but there are patients in this room. Some of these people look like they actually need medical da, attention. Da, 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 don't be silly. Come on, it's all above board. Now, while you're seated here, if I could just have you fill out this paperwork since you're a new patient. Dude, this is like a 100... 
This is exactly 128 pages. And why am I sitting next to the sick hag? Why must you overreact to everything? That's Hilda. I, She's a sweetheart. Hey, here, just just put this mask on. She, uh... Don't call she, attention. All right. Well, no, she just may have Ferunian tuberculosis. She, she just may. May. Possibly. All right. Now, Great. now, while you're filling that out, let me get at you with the melee. I'm arguing a plus one here because I have a rapier with a plus six to hit. Deals out 1d8 plus three piercing damage. However... I can use my herbalist ability from the College of Medicine to expend an herbalism kit in order to poison my weapon and deal out an extra 1d6 poison damage for the next minute. Think fast, poison sword. Uh, I think you just threw a poison sword at me. You can have your plus one. Is this nightmare over? Can I take my melee category now? Keep working on the paperwork while you're doing your argument. All right, fine. But look, what we have never really touched on when it comes to these categories is they are a nine-course dinner of deliciousness, you know, when it comes to building a proper character. And melee is a great appetizer course, so, sorry, um, excuse me. So, I got a Warhammer, right, but it's, I've reskinned it as a meat tenderizer. So what you want to do, you know, is you want to take your meat tenderizer and really, you know, just mash up that body for about 1d8 plus 1, you know, 9 damage, which is really enough to get a good pulpy exterior. Easier to cut into, sure. Right, not too wet with blood, just a solid baseline zero. I think that that's a fair zero. You know, you're dealing out nine damage. I wasn't doing an incredible amount more than that with my plus one, so I think you're starting off nice and fair. You're starting to make yeah. me a little hungry. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me grab another one of these. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take it right into the range category. You know, I got I got a light crossbow. But here's the thing. You never really know if something is truly done. I mean, like truly, truly done unless you test the inside, right? Stick a fork in it. So my crossbow with a plus four chance of sticking gets about nine inches deep of piercing into the tissue and make sure that meat is really well done. I mean, like dead. That's another zero. Uh, okay. Yeah. You're a lot better than nothing. I'm okay with zero. You're totally neutral in my eyes. It, it looks like you got a lot of that paperwork done. So I'm going to go ahead and take that. Miranda, Miranda, he's done with the paperwork. You got a you know, secretary? We don't have that yeah, in the budget. Yeah, dude, she's a real sweetheart. She doesn't speak common, and she's an utter eyesore, honestly, but she means well, you know? I'll be performing a routine physical on you just as I, I continue these arguments here, but uh, just in the meantime, open up your mouth and say ah. Ah. Uh, uh, hold on. I gotta swallow. <laughs> ah. Okay. Uh, now, now for ranged, I'm arguing a negative two because it's honestly very beneath Vab. He likes to get in the mix of things, you know? Ah. Uh. Are you done that? Uh, I'm the doctor here, Garen. I, I, I say when we're through. What? I'm going to go ahead and take yeah. it into burninating. <laughs> ah, yes. Worked just as planned, you see. I cast one of Vab's most fab spells. <laughs> you see what I did there? It's called Concussive Strike, and it's a first-level spell from the world of Farland Player's Handbook. See, you touch a melee weapon. In this case, I used a cast iron frying pan because it just feels so good in the hand, but I digress. Until the spell ends, the first time the weapon is successfully hits in a round, it deals an additional 1d8 force damage, and at higher levels, when you cast it a second or higher, it goes up by 1d8 per level. I love that. I think the spell did exactly as advertised to our wonderful co-host. I'm gonna go ahead and assess for all the signs and symptoms of a true concussion in Garen, but that's all that Vab has for magic damage spells. He's a healer. Speaking of which, he, he's been out for a while. Let me just cast a little... Uh, okay, there. Uh, so I don't want to continue to list on and on. Uh, I think it, all of that considered, it's it's an easy plus two. What do you say, Garen? Oh, oh man. Um, I have a. Sp you just gotta turn down the lights a little bit. I have a splitting headache. Oh, um, oh, here, here. Drink this potion. Smells like a Mr. Pib. Oh, tastes like an RC cola. All right. Perfect. Plus two. Plus two sounds solid. Great. A lot of magic damage there. 
Yeah, absolutely. So tell us what kind of magic Mr. Breadbox does. Hey, are you going to eat that D20? Oh, no, that's all yours, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. So the Elders Blast, the most succulent of cantrips, you know, got a nice pop of zest that can really work as an appetizer to an inflict wounds, which is a recipe that I can cast at fourth level, which is really going to open up your target nicely like a rose in springtime. So now that exposure adds a new flavor of pain that you can really capitalize on with a shadow whip. Now this is a Farland recipe where you create a whip of shadow that has a 10 foot reach and splashes them with another 2d10 damage. Now if you want to top that all off, I would say just a pinch, like a pinch of poison spray. That really ties the attack together. So I'm arguing a plus two. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to argue against a plus two in, in this specific category. <laughs> so I think we can even that out at a plus two. How well do you control a situation? Because it doesn't seem like you have a whole lot of self-control. No, oh, oh, yeah, no, hold on, hold on. I got to get a drink. Mm. These potions are awesome. Thank you. Okay, so here's control. Let's say you have like this tiny almirage, right? You know, the cute little rabbit with the single horn. But you need to satisfy five combatants for a juicy encounter. Now, no matter how fierce that little fellow is, they're not really going to put up too much of a fight. So what I would do is use my polymorph recipe with my sculptor of flesh invocation to turn it into a dragon. Much juicier combat. Now, if the dragon gets too out of hand, I can turn down the heat a little bit and let it simmer with my level six feature of the Pact of Gluttony, which is called Insatiable Hunger. Now, that Almirage turned dragon becomes weak with hunger. And it has disadvantage on all strength and constitution checks and saves. Now that is some pretty tasty control. I'm arguing a plus one. I'm going to go for an equal plus one and we'll see if the scale is balanced. Speaking of which, can you step up here on the scale and weigh yourself? May I bring my bowl of snacks? Oh my goodness, that scale is... Mm. Miranda, Mm. a bigger Mm. scale! Mm. A bigger scale, please. So anyways, in control, I took the self-motivator feat, which allowed me to increase my charisma score by one, and it also allowed me to gain an additional bardic inspiration, and I can now use bardic inspiration on myself. Super cool. Yeah, very cool. And then I also have a spell called Encumber Gear. It's a third level enchantment spell. It allows you to choose a target, wisdom saving throw, or it will believe that his or her gear, including armor, clothing items, excluding weapons and ammunition, are suddenly extremely heavy, and he or she begins behaving as if they're now heavily encumbered their speed drops by 20 feet and they have disadvantage on ability checks attack rolls and saving throws that use strength dexterity or constitution a creature affected by the spell makes another wisdom saving at the end of its turn and on a successful save that effect ends but i think that if you cast that it's it it could be a potential game changer uh, on the battlefield so i'm also arguing a plus one that is pretty strong i can definitely give you a plus one on that i think it's arguably stronger than me but You already gave me the plus one, so there's no backseas on that. (laughs) So moving right into the tankiness category, actually a racial feature of the Worm Blood Cobalt, which is a sub-race of the Cobalt that I chose, it allows you to have Blade Ward as a cantrip, which of course gives you that that sweet, sweet resistance. And then of course I took some more spells from this supplement, one of them being Lag Behind. It's a first level enchantment spell, and it allows you to magically confuse the target, making it hesitate. The target of the spell must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or immediately be ranked last in the initiative order acting last in the round now i put this in the tankiness category because if i perceived that an especially grave threat from any one target i would cast that spell and then target them specifically so that they took as much damage in that first round as possible before they took their turn and either they died or just rethought their strategy so overall zero i have uh, 49 hp and an ac of 14 so not very impressive 
constitution of negative one kind of put its damper on the party. 49 HP. Some fun features there, though. You're okay with a zero? I'm okay with a zero. That's not negative one territory. I mean, you got an AC of 14, which is higher than mine, but I know I'm going to score higher than you on this category because flavor is everything. I was just talking flavor just a minute ago, and I can taste everything. I can even taste my enemies. And Dan, you taste like margarita pizza and IPA. Now, with my feed on the living feature for my subclass, I can drain HP equal to my level plus charisma modifier. So right now, that's a nine. And I drain those hit points directly to myself once per short or long rest. And that's just a touch attack. And it's not even a roll to attack. I just touch them and I get that HP. Now, if those extra HP weren't enough to fill me up, I can use an action to cast False Life on myself. So now that I'm all topped off with a max HP of 75 and an AC of 13, you think that would be enough. But I got one last trick. Evocation magic. That is the spiciest of all the magics. But... As a Kazakh Dwarf, I get advantage on saves against one specific school of magic of my choice, and I chose Evocation, which is going to bring down that Scoville level on those fireballs. I'm arguing a plus one. Yeah, I mean, it would be foolish of me to say that you don't outrank me here in the tankiness category. You've got some really fun stuff there, so why don't you tell us how you help your friends? I mean, obviously you can help clear the plate, but what else can you do? I would love to get into that, but let's talk to our beautiful, beautiful listeners for a moment. If you guys want to be a good friend to us this week, we ask that you go out and tell one person about our show. Now, be that someone in your game group, online, or at your local store, we would appreciate you letting someone know that you dig the lab. 2019 is a fresh start for us, and we want to further improve our beakers and Bunsen burners, and word of mouth is worth a lot towards getting us there. Just to show you how serious we are, guys, for every friend you tell about the show, we will match that donation by also telling someone about our show. Can we do that? Dude, corporate's going to go ballistic, but it's for the lab. You're such a giver, man. Spread the word, spread the love, spread the ally assist. Take us there. Hey, fun fact. 3D printed minis taste like dry noodles. And on an unrelated subject, how much gum bleeding is too much gum bleeding? That tooth looks like it's going to fall out. Mm, hold on. Teeth are delicious. Ally assist. Nothing brings people closer together than sharing a meal especially a meal of pain. Thanks to my recipe warding bond, I can give an ally plus one to their AC and saving throws and resistance to all damage, really making them beefy. Then the real sharing begins as we each take damage anytime either of us do. So I taste everything they do. It's like having a second tongue, but for pain. And while I never want to rush a meal, I can certainly say that I have the option when I let them haste their way through the cornucopia of battle. Ah, uh, haste is a great spell. Okay, now just to clarify this, this spell gives resistance to all damage and gives a plus one to AC and saving throws, but if they take damage, you also take damage. And if I take damage, they take damage. Ah, that's really nice balance. I like that spell. I love that spell, but if it's, it's just haste and that, I, I'm fine with a zero. Then I think we're, we're good with a zero. Now here is where I'm going to argue for a plus two. See, mm. Cure Wounds, Tiny Hut, Healing Word, Song Arrest, Bardic Inspiration. That was all the really easy stuff. We covered that on the first day in the course over at Forgotten Realms U, you know? I mean, that was like pff, 101. Here's all the really cool stuff. See, as part of the College of Medicine archetype, there's also a feature called Doctor, which you get at third level, and it has a few cool benefits that I'm going to touch on, like using the healer's kit as a bonus action. Whenever a creature uses a bardic inspiration die, they also regain HP equal to your level plus the number they rolled. Pretty nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, and also, you can use a bardic inspiration die to grant a creature that you can see advantage on a saving throw as a reaction against any saving throw for poison or disease, and... Oh, oh sorry, sorry, dude. Uh, I think I'm going to puke. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. If you had the medical acumen feature of the folk healer background like I do, you would have been able to tell that that potion I gave you earlier was actually not intended to heal but harm you. Sorry, man. I'm going to lick it up. Go ahead. I'm just going to lick it off the floor. Uh, yeah, so that all that considered, I think, a plus two. Mm. Tastes better the second time. Look, I'm not going to argue that this is a plus two, so obviously you got to roll. Well, I would, but my dice is, uh, well, it's in those puke chunks there in several different pieces because you ate it. Oh, okay. Well, I could just flip one of these little pieces over and see what you got. It's a four. Four plus three is not going to do it, so that's a plus one. Thank, thank oh, you so much. That was for, so close. Thanks for recovering that piece for me, Garen. That was You're nice. welcome. There's your four. Why don't we move into balance? I'm already a zero here. I'm a powerful healer. There's no question about it, but I'm very squishy. So I have no strength or condoline on. And let, let me go ahead and just run through these numbers. So strength of eight, dex of 16, con of eight, intelligence of 15, wisdom of 12, charisma of 16, passive perception of 12. Got, you know, the jack of all trades. So makes you proficient or have proficient in a lot of stuff. But a few highlights, plus seven in medicine, plus four in acrobatics, plus nine in persuasion. Because, you know, when you go to the doctor, they can persuade you to do a lot of stuff. Plus six to sleight of hand. 49 HP and armor class of 14. And then spell safes DC of 14 and a plus six to those ranged spell attacks. I just think that this constitution and this HP are just a glaring issue here. Along with that low strength. You know, and also I made a very intelligent bard just because it matched the backstory, but that's not very optimized. So that considered, I think that's a fair zero. What do you say? Very fair zero. Have we argued at all in 2019? I don't know. Other than the fact that this scale that we brought, this bigger scale can still not get balanced. How, how balanced is your character? Well, so now you see, do you really want to fill your plate with a variety of colors to get a healthy meal? And I feel the same thing applies to your mortal traits. So I got a 13 and a 12, which are nice notes of strength and dexterity. I got a robust 16 constitution, a peppering of intelligence with a 10, hearty dash of wisdom with a 13, and a little undercooked on my charisma with a 15. You know, round that out with your history of three, intimidation of five, deception of five, and nature of four. I mean, my plate is full, but I think it's a little lackluster on the necessary vitamins, so I'm arguing a one. I would say that that's not a perfect character, but definitely not as unoptimized as mine. We're about to head into the climax of the show, the charisma scenarios. And this was submitted by our boy, Ryan Leftley, one of our donors. And it reads thusly, A fae has arrived in a village and has been causing mischief, particularly favoring the tavern, causing people to get hurt, not seriously injured, but enough to be a nuisance. And the local lord wants him gone. The city watches tried violence, but to no avail. Now, the castle wizard tells you that in his research, he has found that he is called... Mizdepik. The X, the G, and the H are silent. And the only way to banish him back to the Feywild is to make him say his name backwards. How does your character complete this task? So here's my scenario, which I think is smooth like peanut butter, which hurts me to say because crunchy peanut butter is the best peanut butter, but talking smooth here. So I got the eyes of the rune keeper, right? Which lets me to read any recipe written down. I'm going to be able to see his name in every single language, look at it backwards, know exactly how to picture this in my mind, which is important because then I got to teach my imp, Fieri, how to say it correctly. So Fieri learns the name backwards, right? Then he turns invisible, which is something imps can do. And he waits till Mizapik is chilling in the evening, just relaxing. And Fieri gets behind him and starts just like laying down this little beat like a... and starts just sliding his name into the beat. So it's like. So 
So he starts hearing it and he just thinks he just thinks that someone's playing some great music. And then when he sings along, boom, back to the Feywild. Ah, okay. I would award you a zero for that. Man, zero for that? Yeah. All right. When you put it that plainly, you're right. I mean, it wasn't mind-blowing, but it had some layers to it. Well, let me... Oh, yeah, that, that song had a lot of layers to it. It was great. Here's the deal. For Smooth, I'm arguing a minus one because I have suggestion. And, like, that would just get him to say his name backwards. So, I'm arguing a minus one. Yeah, right? I know. It's it's stupid. But, I mean, I, I couldn't not take it. I'm going to move into how I would handle this in an aggressive manner, okay? Vab would have the tavern close up shop for the night, but keep all of the lights on and the music playing. And then he would cast suggestion on this fake creature with his cruel parents. Because who would name their kid that? and suggests that he go to the tavern for a nightcap. Meanwhile, Vav has already set up a glyph of warding on the tavern door, so Fayboy gets there to open the door, and 5d8 thunder damage, baby. That dude is rocked. So Vab, one of the most renowned physicians in the area, is conveniently close by to look after the injured. When he approaches, he would say, you know, his name backwards, and you're going to be okay. Just try and stick with us. Then Vab would bring him back to his clinic, have him fill out all the paperwork that you just you filled out. You don't need to worry about pages 16 and 122. And it's just going to be this really arduous and long, drawn-out process where he had to reiterate his name several times to different staff members, but he's still saying it the other way, and they would keep calling him the wrong name until finally Vab would come in as the doctor with the grave news that he suffered brain damage from the blast so I want to talk to you about your test results. and is speaking backwards as a result so no one can understand what he's saying and so then vab would you know continue on and say that he would have to speak backwards in order for people to understand Listen, him you're gonna have to speak backwards so then i would no test him by saying now mitzplik what is your name uh, how do you say and then name? he would say his name backwards plus two that started out really stupid, but I think you brought it around with the whole concussion scenario. Yeah, I could give you a plus two for that. So how do you handle this in an aggressive fashion? Because the way you handled it smoothly was questionable. You cannot poo-poo me when all you had was suggestion. I couldn't leave that on the table. I couldn't. I had <sighs> to take it. You could have wrapped it up in a pretty little bow as opposed to just throwing it at me like a gift card on Christmas. <laughs> no. What am I going to do with this $5 to Radio Shack? Here's my plus two for spitting fire. So I have got this Farland recipe called Garot, which creates a shadowy rope around the target's neck and starts to strangle them. Now, of course, magic isn't working on Blitzplik, right? So I go to him and I say, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not here to get you. Look, I've been trying to get you, but you are just too good for us. You're too mischievous. You're too full of... Fun and frivolity. You're the real MVP, dog. And the local magistrate has fired me. That's it. Because I couldn't catch you, the mighty Malitzpik, my career is over. And as I say that, I cast Garot around myself. And I'm like, oh, 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 and I start choking, like, but we reaching out for him to help me. Like, someone's choking me through the door, right? So then I fall to the ground. With my deception proficiency, I pretend like I'm dying. And I'm like, give me CPR, give me CPR, like, pointing at my mouth, you know, doing the choking maneuver. So he gets down there and he puts his little fey lips on me and he breathes life into me and I and I and I just whisper, I just really really lightly like a death rattle. I go, and he's like, what? What is that? And he come closer and he's, and he goes, did you say his name backwards? Boom, he's gone. No, that's really bad. That was a really that drawn was great. Out. So I feel like you and I switched it. Like I felt like this was off to a great start and then you, you finished and there's an awful lot of assumptions there. I mean, I don't think he would have repeated that. 
knows. I think he knows what what's going to cast him back to the Feywild. A dying man's last words, you're not going to, like, repeat them so you can remember them? You know what? A zero is generous in this. I think you're going to get a negative one. You said zero. I'll take it. Fine. Why don't you take us into the X Factor? Would you play this character in a campaign? Okay, so I read through all seven of the different warlocks of the seven deadly sins which they have written for this which is a really cool feature because you've got the seven deadly sin uh lords that reign over the world of farland and this was one of my favorite because of the health drain the insatiable hunger which weakens the enemy the features get cooler at higher levels but unfortunately we did level seven characters here so i couldn't show off all that great stuff but i'm telling you guys it's definitely worth it i enjoyed that i like these kazakh dwarves normally the lore has them as kind of a haughty kind of a gold dwarf kind of feel to them they think they're better they think they were the first dwarves. so there was some really nice feel to that and the magical resistance was a very unique feature that i haven't seen anything like anywhere else and it's not overpowered and it's not trying too hard they just took a very clean idea and they nailed it so all of those features i really enjoyed it i probably wouldn't make a dwarf warlock like this but i like both the dwarf and the warlock so yes how about you you know i like how farland reworked the kobold i, I didn't really touch on this but they made it a viable playable race um they didn't give it a penalty to strength they gave it just the bonus to decks and there are the sub races these like little variants of the kobolds one of them has wings and can have a flying speed of 30 feet so there's really some cool stuff there with what they've done with the kobold i appreciated that i also enjoyed the college of medicine archetype because i didn't leave two hundred thousand dollars in debt fantastic yeah great build for dan i also enjoyed the the take on the kobold i think they made kobolds more fun there i agree with that I agree that these characters actually worked out pretty good for level 7, and they had some flaws, but they scored decently. I won 5-4, to four, and for those of you keeping track at home, Dan did win last week. I believe the score was 7-4, to four, but we just got so caught up in the moment and the pageantry that comes with the end of our episode, we forgot to announce that. So, episode 3 goes to me, Dan, and thus concludes another adventure here in the lab. Thank you for bringing your new Cobalt Baby as a tribute to our listeners. As to you, Garen, and now we will, you know, as we do every single episode, toss our character into the pyre as an offering to our own particular Forgotten Realms god. Blessed be Gond. All hail Asmodeus. There. Now those babies are gone, and we can focus on next week as we truly create baby babies. We'll be celebrating the magic of bringing kids to your table as we build PCs inspired by and using content from Little Heroes by Anne Gergerson. And it's another bestseller on DMs Guild, naturally, so head on over there for a preview. But as we conclude this episode of The Lab, remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thank you, guys. Now, a couple of notes before we let you depart. Everything that you heard on this show today was the brainchild of just two men, Garen Jones and Daniel Beal. If you'd like to consume more content from these two madmen, head on over to patreon.com forward slash DD Character Lab. Don't be intimidated, there's stuff there for free, but it's also a great way to support the show. Another great way? Head on over to dmsguild.com and search Garen Jones when you get over there, and what you will unlock is a mediocre dragon's horde of player content that is created by the boys over at the D&D Character Lab, and it's usually only priced for $1. So, no harm, no foul. Hey, speaking of the DMs Guild, we'd love to thank our third-party contributors to the show. A lot of these are independent authors. We want you to get on DMs Guild and support these guys' work because they do great things. If you don't believe us, listen to more of our show. We display them almost every single week. In fact, we probably featured one this week. 
If you'd like to see more of the content that either Garen or Dan featured on today's episode, head on over to the episode description and the links are down there for you. But hey, maybe you're a content creator yourself of some player options content. We would love to hear from you. Send an email over to dndcharacterlab at gmail.com with the content and we'll be happy to review it. Hey, maybe it'll even end up on the show. Last couple things here. If you're not following us on social media, at DND Character Lab on Twitter and Facebook, that's N is in Nancy, D Character Lab. I'm not sure what you're waiting for because we pump out great memes, the best, most dank memes on the DND internets. Also, subscribe to our show. That way you get the freshest character creations every single Wednesday delivered right to your ears. Thanks again for listening to us this week, Lab Rats. Catch you next week. Peace!